in your opinion, who was the toughest guy in the Mid-South locker room? Hercules or Dr. Death, Hacksaw Duggan, or even Grizzly Smith? I mean, who if you had to take one guy in to clean out a bar, who would be that one There's guy? There's a lot of guys there that are big, too, so yeah. Dr. Death. Yeah. Steve Williams. Yeah, I think he was uh, pretty much renowned for being probably one of the biggest, baddest guys back in the day. A dual sport. Yeah, because he, he went to school on a wrestling school. He could wrestle. <laughs> and he was a badass. And he was big. And he stayed in shape. One of the finishers you used to have was the boot stomp. The double boot stomp where you would come down on an opponent. Now, this isn't more about an injury. I don't think you ever injured anybody, but... If you had to estimate how many of the wrestlers that you hit with that boot stomp had to shout their tights that night because they probably crapped them. No, I don't remember anybody ever saying or doing, but I was very good at what I did. So if right. I, whatever I did to you, I wasn't trying to kill you. I, mean, right. I wouldn't have made this interview 10 years ago, never mind, you know, whatever. Right. But no, nobody. I mean, you, you know, it would be like you punch him in the face. Right. Did you, ever have, did you ever have a story where some wrestlers were in there and they might have been a little bit sick? And I think we've all went through it at one time or another. You hit a leg drop or something and you go, uh-oh, you know, I'm, I might have just slipped some out there. <laughs> did you ever have a wrestler tell you that in the ring? Said, uh-oh, we got to go home because I might have done some damage to my tights here. I, the, the only one that was funny because he made it funny, Chavo and Hector Guerrero, you know who they are? Right, yeah. Well... <laughs> Chavo was funny, and he he did the guy slammed him off the top, and he just run to the back and said, "Oh, amigo, amigo, I gotta go, I gotta go, amigo." <laughs> <laughs> so I really don't quite know because I never went to see what really what the end result of that was, but that was <laughs> the thing. So yeah, I never personally had that anything like that happen to me in any of the matches that I was in. So it's bad when it happens. To be honest, I've only had it happen maybe once, and it was like on a big leg drop or something. I've been sick all week. I was just trying to make the town. And uh, I've had snot fly out of my nose from landing in a front bump before, like missing a splash or something like that. But like I said, when that happens, you just kind of look at yourself like your body just kind of lets you down at that moment in front of all these people. <laughs> and it's very sad and it's very disturbing, but it happens. It, it's, you know, human beings, that type of stuff happens. Oh, yeah, we're all human, and I understand that part. But us little guys didn't have it on the weight that you big guys had. Right. I, I've been, I have never been hurt in this business, touch right. and never intentionally hurt anybody. Right. And do the thing. So, I mean, and, and again, I will say again, I was very good at what I did, and so was Jerry Lawler. Watch some of them old matches of me and Lawler. You'll swear we're knocking one another. Dick oh, in yeah. the dirt. Oh, yeah, definitely. What would you say is the worst injury that you've ever seen, like at a show that you were at or maybe even one that you've heard about? This, uh, this was just in Australia and was a referee. He just dropped dead. Wow. I mean, that was quite scary. He was refereeing, <laughs> and he just took a bump, and he passed away. Wow. Was so, it a heart issue know, or something? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I mean, he he, he wasn't near anybody. He hadn't took a bump off those, none of the boys. He was just refereeing like you didn't walking around the ring. He just fell down, and he passed away. Wow. God. 
Yeah, that's you hear about that. And it, I think it happened a lot more back in you know back in the day than it does now. It, you know, you hear about it, but it's all usually in the corporations where they have no business running, anyways. But because of athletic commissions and stuff like that, that they do all these little health checks. We say sometimes they do health checks. Sometimes they just show up and they just take your twenty dollars for the li- for the uh, license. Uh, don't get me started on the commission. <laughs> but. But yeah, I mean, you don't see that as much now. But yeah, that would be probably one of the worst injuries, I would say. Now, speaking of Lawler and you know not intentionally hurting anybody, Lawler's come out a couple times and talked about breaking a few people's jaws, uh, especially like Paul Heyman and I can't think who else was. I want to say there was one other person that he 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 kind of Jimmy Hart, Jimmy Hart, right? What are your thoughts on when wrestlers take liberties with other wrestlers like that? I mean, I'm sure he probably had a reason behind it, but what are your thoughts on those? Well, I don't really believe he, he, he intentionally did it to heart. Right. Now, Paul Heyman, I tried to throw that son of a bitch off the scaffold one day, and he wouldn't <laughs> climb down. <laughs> so we were doing a scaffold match, and he would do it, and he, he, never, he wouldn't stay on the thigh. He climbed down off the scaffold. I said, I'll get you up there, you son of a bitch. I'm throwing you off for real. <laughs> So that was more like that natural heat, like we talked about with uh, Cornette. Right. He could get you mad at him for just doing the thing, but I mean, and I've never really been around him much, and I don't know how he is today or what he does today or how is he or what he is or what did he ever do in the wrestling business apart from being somebody's manager. You were one of the ones that got an early look at a young Steve Austin. What were your thoughts when you saw him? Did you think that he would ever... Uh, send to the the top like he did. He's one of the highest grossing wrestlers of all time. Really popular. He still comes out to a huge ovation, and some of these fans weren't even born when he was like at his prime. So, what was your thoughts when you first saw Steve Austin? About the same as it was when I first saw a movie of John Wayne. So, I mean, he he, he I hated when he first started. I did. mercy. You'd better look after yourself because Austin wasn't. <laughs> Some of those live rounds were being fired, huh? Yeah, I mean, he, he was just, you saw what he looked like. He was strong. He was just, and he never did nothing intentionally. He right. just, he was just how he was. That His, his personality that. I mean, if he's going somewhere, he's going 100 miles an hour. And if he's in a car, he's going 100 miles an hour. And he did. That's his personality, and in the wrestling business, sometimes you can't get do, going too fast to get you hurt. Well, I was digging through some clips last night, and I found this one. This was from Steve Austin's podcast, and I'm going to play it for you just so you can hear it. But this is what he had to say about Bill Dundee. Hey, man, let me tell you something about superstar Bill Dundee. I work with superstar man night after night after night. Man, I learned a lot from that guy. Big as a minute, maybe he's five seven. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, had tremendous fire. Had tremendous uh, mean streak as a heel. Uh, was a great trash talker. A great promo. Uh, I loved working with Superstar Bill Dundee. Man, uh, I would love to talk to him on the show too. I talked to Superstar on the phone a few months ago, but I uh, would love to talk to him one on one in person. Uh, I got a lot of respect for that guy. He did a lot for me, and uh, nothing but big respect for Superstar Bill Dundee. Him and Lawler was hell back in the day. All those guys were back in those Memphis days. But Superstar uh, helped me out a whole lot back in the day. A very savvy veteran and a hell of a competitor. 
Now that's that's one of the main draws ever in the wrestling business for Vince McMahon. And he is talking about Bill Dundee. Now, here's my question. There's two questions here. One, everybody that I have talked to that have worked with you or wrestled for you or been in the ring with you at one time or another has said the same thing. They have learned so much about being in the ring with you at some point or another more than what they had learned before they were in the ring with you. Have you ever thought about being part or is it even in your interest or have you had the offer if not it's crazy that you haven't if not have you ever been offered a spot to help develop talent for one of these major corporations like wwe or tna right now or impact <laughs> and if not if not would you even have interest in it is there heat there, there I, I would have been interested right. because i really enjoy the wrestling business i somebody had to teach me and this is why i try to tell the kids on the indie circuit i said son of a bitch you ain't going to learn this by yourself. If somebody doesn't like you and takes you by the, the arm and takes you into that ring and tells you what to do, why you're doing it, and how you're doing it, and shows you, you're not going to learn nothing. And that's exactly right. And, and Austin, I liked Austin. He was strong as a bull and big old boy. And, hell, I even took him home for a Thanksgiving dinner one day. He, he forgot to say that part. <laughs> Well, you know, when he was here from by himself, I said, Come eat dinner with me, for God's sake. You can't sit in that damn hotel room and eat a cold sandwich or whatever. <laughs> so, but I like Boston. It seems crazy because, like I said, you're one of the greatest minds in this area. So, why would they not call you up to work with some of these young guys, especially now that wrestling seems to be making a comeback? Not just the story. People are enjoying the actual art of wrestling again, it seems. <laughs> This is another true story. And, and, and uh, the Undertaker does not like me. The Undertaker is Vince McMahon's boy. Randy Savage at one time was Vince McMahon's boy. And you ever hear of the, me and Randy had the fight? There was a fight, but no real fight. But me and Randy got nose to nose. Have you ever had that story? I think oh, you yeah. mentioned it in a locker room one time. Well, you, you, you probably, the people that hear, hear Randy's story, but I don't know what was wrong with him. Was his, his father's what was wrong with him. He kept him all fired up and he was this or that. And Randy was a paranoid guy anyway. Right. So anyway, he sucker punched me on the street. Me and him got to rolling around and Paige Wadley was with him and Thunderbolt Patterson was with him, but his whole crew was in the van. So anyway, he sucker punches me and me and him roll around like two old women for just 30 <laughs> seconds. And I said to myself, when I get to the back of this car, I will restore order. <laughs> so I got to the back of the car that was the good, didn't have the buttons named. days. you had to put the key in the back and open it. And I thought, I get it open. And I thought, oh, I hope my briefcase is not locked. <laughs> so anyway, I click the briefcase and opens and there it is sitting right there. S and W, that stands for Smith and West. <laughs> so I get that summer out, and Randy runs around the car, and he says, you got a gun. I said, you're damn right I do. Dad Angelo grabs hold of my hand and pulls it like away from the car. Well, when I turn around, he goes right Angelo. So Randy says, you got a gun. I said, damn right I do. So he just takes off running, and he's running up to his van, I imagine, where he's going, so... Crystal Pez and Thunderbolt, they just kind of wander away from this idiot standing with a gun and an old man in front of him. 
So I'm just looking at asthma. What do they do now? Just shoot you or what? <laughs> so Randy took off. Me and Angelo were standing there. And then piss off. So he just left. And I left, went home. Time I got home, there's two cops at my door with a warrant for assault with a deadly weapon. Oh, wow. So I thought, what the? So anyway, I talked to him. I said, so Angelo knew the jailer up there at the Nashville jail. So now we go go to court. So I called Jared. I said, hey, man, I got a warrant here for my little arrest for that little deal we had with Randy Savage. So he said, well, get, we go get a lawyer. So he gets a lawyer for me. The lawyer says, you go, go get a weapon there, a warrant for him. So I go get a warrant for him, do whatever we're going to do. So that day we go to court. We go to the court. Me and my lawyer wander in there. And Randy's there, his father's there, his brother's there, and two or three several boys are with My lawyer comes over to me, and he says, I don't quite know what this means, but their lawyer just told me they want to go Broadway. <laughs> He's talking to Randy. He says, right. I said, okay, where's, so where's Papa? So he's over there. So I go down and tell Angelo, I said, we ain't going Broadway with this. No freaking way in the world. I said, I'm going to win this. And he says, no, man, we're just, no cell phones in them days. You have to find a quarter and I have to go. So I said, well, call Jared. So I, know, I call him and I say, hey, man, they want to go Broadway. So he said, what do you think? I said, you're the boss. You tell me. We don't need no bad publicity to give them any at all, which, you know, when they were trying to take over Nashville. Right. He said, well, just go Broadway. So that's what we did. The, the lawyer, the, the judge said, Randy Poffo and Bill, and he approached the bench. We approached the bench. He says, do you want to drop the charges on him? I said, yes, I do, Your Honor. He says, Randy, you want to drop the charges on him? He said, yes, I do, Your Honor. He said, okay, kiss the list, bam, hits the hammer, and it's over. So, him taking the gun off of me and pistol whipping me with a gun and all the bullshit that he said never happened. He's lucky he never got his father killed, but that's another story. But anyway. <laughs> well, you know, the kids today call that popping the trunk on someone. I'm going to go to the car and I'm going to pop my trunk. How many times do you think you had to pop the trunk on someone there, Bill? I don't know what to call that, but anyway, <laughs> popping the trunk, I don't know that. That one time it was just to you do. Know, Hell, there was three of them and little old me. Yeah. And, and then another van load of them sitting up on the hill. So it wasn't like Randy was by himself. Right. And here, here is the thing. I, and this may be a little cold-blooded to say, but didn't he wreck a car or something? What happened to him? He, he had a heart attack while he was driving. Wasn't somebody with him? Yeah, I think it was his girlfriend that was with him at the time. Well, I'm thinking this. I hope he looked over at his girlfriend and said to her, I am having a heart attack, and I think our little side off son of a bitch, Bill Dundee, still living. And that's the end of my fucking little funny story there, because I did not like Randy Savage. Yeah, I want to say towards the end there was an, a thing there that he had talked to your son about where he explained the, the story went that he had told Jamie that uh, there was a lot of things involved, other influences on him at the time that helped cause some of those situations. Yeah, it's called drugs. <laughs> now, you went to WCW in the early 90s, and I think that was a Bill Watts thing, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, another story on that. Yes, it was. 
He brought you in to be with Lord Stephen Regal. They made you his manager, Sir William. All right, let me give this this uh, two story of that. That's that's a kind of true, but it ain't. Bill Watts brought me in to be his assistant and be the booker. Big Dusty was still there. And I like Dusty Rhodes. I mean, I know who he was, and you could, he could be this and he could be that, but can't we all be that and this and that? So, But I like Big Dusty. So anyway, he, Bill got pissed off at the world, and he quit. But unbeknownst to two or three people, maybe me being one of them and maybe his wife, Bill had a deal. If he left for any reason or got fired in the next year or so or whatever, they had to pay him. And the paying was like some three hundred grand a year or whatever. So he didn't leave broke. I'd say not. Eric Bischoff gets the job. We Bill had went to England with him and saw Regal. Regal is a, can wrestle and a, a shooter. And Bill Watts liked that type of guy. Brings him back to America, and they really don't know what to do with him because his style is not what we do here. He he was the Billy Robinson era type wrestling. So Big Dust and me stop him. Make him a lord. Lord Stephen Regal. And give him a manager. Because he couldn't talk. He had an English accent. It was just it, it was nothing was working for the kid. So he said, Well we can make we, we can make Larry Sabisco his manager. I said, Larry Sabisco? What the hell does Larry Sabisco know about being a lord <laughs> <laughs> or being anything about England. What? How can he be? Man, he don't know nothing about England. He said, well, you manage him. Now, this is how much thought this was given to be a manager for Regal. He said, well, you manage him. I said, well, okay. So I go to Regal, I'm going to be your manager. But I would like to be a butler. So you saw the outfit. They got the little round hat, the derby hat, the little tie they wear, and this pinstripe suit and all the details and all that shit. So that's how that came up. No real thought, but we got over. Yeah, I mean, it was really good. I, You know, y'all were doing some of the same finishes that we saw in Memphis, and it was really good matches. I was a big fan of it. Right, and Regal could work. He was learning to do the American style of working. So it, it, it was getting over. And Eric Bischoff, he was hauling the ring for Greg Daniel when he came down to here. We should have still been hauling the ring. Do you know Eric Bischoff? I don't know him personally. I know of him, you know, because of being a wrestling fan, but I don't know him personally. <laughs> you ain't missed nothing. <laughs> so, anyway, he had people he liked, and he would bring them in and do this and do that. Now, you tell me this. Dusty Rhodes, Mike Graham, Greg Gagne, and Bill Dundee are technically booking and putting your TVs and helping with everything in the back. Which one of them would you say shouldn't be there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Which one of them should not be there? Right. Eric yeah. Bischoff was the boss. He had he had the final whatever. So he ends up firing Graham, me, and Ganya. So that's good. No, yeah. no, you know where's WCW now? Right. But that's another story. So you know what I'm saying? Right. So it it. I I just don't know. Now, that, here we go back again to saying, well, Bill, why ain't you wherever you are? Because why am I here in Germantown, Tennessee, in my lounge room talking to you on the telephone and not up there running Vince McMahon's wrestling school or whatever you call it? Right. Basically because of the undertaker. 
and me not playing politics with a lot of, you know, other things and saying things or blah, blah, blah. If you ask me a question, I will give you the answer as close to truthful as possible. Right. What What is the main heat with you and The Undertaker? Is it just one-sided, or do you just both don't like each other from when he was in the Memphis Territory? <laughs> I think there was a young lady involved. <laughs> <laughs> That's how all great wars have been started, you know? It's always... Right. Yeah, yeah, you know, he, he married this girl that we both both knew. I didn't tell him to marry her, and then they ended up getting a divorce. So, But there's no telling what she told him in between. He was a kid that went to TV, and this is how I know that the heat is still there, <laughs> went to do a job on television for them. And somebody said he was a pretty good worker because he went to my wrestling school. Right. So the kid did his match, and somebody went up to him and said, hey, who, who taught you, who broke you in the wrestling business? He said, oh, Bill Dundee. He said, the undertaker stood up, walked over to him, took his finger and poked it right in his forehead, and he said, don't you mention that name around here again. Wow. Well, that's pretty good heat, ain't it? <laughs> Who's a, but who knows why? Because when he came in here as a big green guy with red hair and freckles all over him, I tried to help him. Right. I have tried to, because I love the wrestling business, and I have tried to help everybody that I have been around in it. You can't do it by yourself, so if you, you go an opponent or do whatever, you, you try to do the best you can. But I will tell you a funny story. I haven't really told this to nobody on the podcast or whatever it is on, I don't care. But anyway, we were both in the, I'm with WCW and some, and the WWE's in town. So I push the elevator button and I'll be down. The door opens and there it is. Six foot eight of him leaning up against the wall. And I, well, it's the undertaker, I say to myself. <laughs> so I walk in there. I say, Mark, how are you doing? And he says, my shoulder hurts. My knee hurts, and he tells me about four things that's hurting him. So I'm thinking, if I kick this son of a bitch just right and get him <laughs> off his feet, I'm punished. I said, knock his ass out. So I said, but what if I can't? <laughs> so I just got to my floor, pushed the button, the door over, and I turned around, shook his head, put my hand out. I said, I'll see you, Mark. He shook my hand, said, okay, and I left. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably have to pop the trunk on someone six foot eight, you know, if they're coming at you. Yeah, but he was all beat up, he said. He was yeah. all just hurting and, you know. <laughs> and I, and I, like I said, I'm, I'm 74 years young. And I can still run, and I can still ride a bike, and I can still do this, and I can still do a lot of things because I do them every day. What are your thoughts on the young, well, kind of young, what are your thoughts on the young Dustin Starr? Oh, I like Dustin Starr. He could have made it back in the day when Memphis was, was Memphis. And here's the other good thing about him. He'll listen to you. Right. Now, I don't know if he listens to everybody, <laughs> but when I work with him and suggest shit or say shit or do shit, he, he listens. Right. Well, and that's what I told you earlier on. That's what has to happen. Somebody has to take it take it. This is what you're doing wrong, and this is how you should have done it, and explain it to you. So, have you ever read my book or seen the could I see to know the name of it? Yeah, uh, I actually was with you on one of your signing tours. We're here in Jackson. You went to uh, a place, and 
I was actually right there with you when you were doing some autographs. We were talking about the book yeah. and everything. Yeah, I, I bought the book. It's a great read. Is it still available on Amazon? Yes, I don't know about Amazon, but I can give people the number if they want to call it, yeah. and, and I can send it to them directly. Definitely, go ahead. All right, the number is 901-305-3251, and the deal on the book is $25. This is a great, entertaining book. I read it from front to back, even the... Even the acknowledgments, everything on that book is entertaining. You will not be disappointed. $25 is a steal. Call that number. Order that book today because, like I said, it is a great read. Uh, here's the other thing. If they buy it direct from me, it'll be autographed when they get it. Yeah, I think my, my you know, copy uh, I bought from you, and you autographed it right there, which, which says a lot yeah. about you, Bill, because you give back to the fans. If the fans want something, you give it to them, plus you give them a little extra. So that autograph is great. Well, well we try, and here's the other thing. And I still look at it today the same way. If nobody bought a ticket to see us, we wouldn't have had a job. Right. Yeah, you have to. If a football player, boxer, or race car driver, whatever you're doing with the public, if they have to buy a ticket and they don't come to see you, you don't have a job. Right. And and I've always looked at it that way. It was a business first and foremost to me. Win, lose, or draw, it don't matter. You have to look after the people that look after you. Right. What's the funniest or most horrible rib that you've ever seen pulled in the wrestling business? Here's the thing with me. And it may be just because of how I run my life. You can't rib me, and I don't rib you. So I really couldn't tell you. It's it's nothing funny of nailing your boots to the ceiling. And people have told me stories that happened or done this or done that. But I don't think that's funny. Right. You know what I mean? There's things that you do or could be kind of funny, but, you know, doing that. So that ribbing one another in the dressing room, that never really happened. So I, I never did it, and you were certainly not going to do it to me. Bill might pop the trunk on you if you try to. <laughs> <laughs> Most yeah, definitely. I hear you. That could happen, yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> Do you have any advice for an up-and-coming young man that wants to be in the wrestling business? I know we've talked about you developing young guys before. You helped bring me in. You were the first guy that trained with me and wrestled with me and, and uh, helped me along. I think I know what the opener is going to be, but what would your advice be for a young guy that said, I want to be in the wrestling business. It's my dream. I'm going to do it. What what's your advice? Don't quit your day job. <laughs> that, no, no, that, and I'm saying right. that I kind of be funny, but I'm really not saying it to be funny because even there ain't too many people at 74 still doing this business. I'm one of the only ones I know around here at 74 and still climbing in the ring. It's There's no real longevity to it. And the way them kids are flipping and flopping today, they certainly are not going to get to be 74 and climb in the ring. So the, the main thing is have something to kind of fall back on. Or as Jackie Fargo told me 50 years ago, hey, kid, save your money. That's right. the other thing you have to do. You can't just go out and blow it all every night on the wild women and song and do whatever. You could ask one of our world champions what happens when you do that. And you know who I'm talking about. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, this day and age with, with all of the high-risk stuff they do, and I, I think back to a time when me and you were at the gym together and we were watching the uh, the TV and they had this MMA thing on. And you said, 
those guys don't know in 10 years how that's going to affect them taking all those headshots. It's the same with wrestling. Right. Same with wrestling. Those guys doing all those flips and jumps and everything, with what we know now about CTE and all of that head trauma stuff, you're not looking at a long career if you're taking a lot of headshots nowadays. Right. You're absolutely right. I mean, Bobby, beautiful Bobby Eaton is married to my daughter. And he was one of them guys that took, to me, goofy bumps. And it excited the people. And it made the match this and that. And made the match this and that. Well, he's 54 and I'm 74 and he can't get in the ring and wrestle no more. And I can. And I never did. And I said, Bob, don't take all that silly bump. You don't need it. The people go, yay. But what does it mean when you can't walk tomorrow? So, I mean, that, that, and that's the same principle. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sports entertainment. I'll grant you that. But you can't just be stupid. Where are you, where are you wrestling at coming up? We do South Haven at the, at the Greenbrook Parkway at the church every Friday night. So we're in South Haven, Mississippi, every Friday at the Greenbrook Parkway at the church. Go and see Bill Dundee. Like I said, he still wrestles like a man that is half his age. Buy his book. That book is great. And it's one of my top wrestling books out there, uh, It te- especially if you're a Memphis fan. If- now, do you have uh, Facebook, Twitter? Where can these people follow you if you have that? Yeah, I've got Facebook. So look up Bill on Facebook. If you have a question, I'm sure if you shoot him some, some info there, he, he probably will answer you back. Bill's fan-friendly, so follow Bill on Facebook yeah. and go and see him in those towns. Bill, I cannot tell you what this means to us that you came on and talked to us today for as long as you did. It's truly an honor. When I first started uh, back wanting to be a wrestler when I was five years old, I had an aunt tell me, you're going to get in that ring one day and Bill Dundee's going to throw you around you're going to quit. And <laughs> and I carried yeah, that I with me. You. I carried that with me, Bill. And the first day that I stepped into the ring when you were doing the training, you were showing me how to do things. In the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, when's he going to throw me and when's I'm, when am I going to quit? But to my credit, I only quit 10 years later. The main thing is, did you have fun while you was doing it? <laughs> yeah, uh, I had a blast. Well, Bill, once again, we want to thank you for being a part of P3 Radio today. It was great having you on. Go see him. Buy his book. Bill Dundee, thank you for being here. Well, I appreciate you boys giving me the time. So if you ever want to do it again, you got my number, just give me a call. Florida Ticket Station. Florida. Your one-stop shop for discounted tickets on all of Orlando's best theme parks. Orlando. All of Orlando's local attractions. All of Orlando's events. Fucking Orlando. All of Orlando's local attractions. And so much more. They offer affordable tickets to Disney World. Mickey Mouse. Universal Studios. Back to the Future. Sea World. Whale. Legoland. Everything is awesome. Bush Gardens. I don't know what that is. And so much more. But, but seriously, Josh, they are licensed and insured with the state of Florida. Florida. So you can rest assured that your reservations are valid. Valid. Summer's coming and vacation time's right around the corner. Round the corner. So go to tinyurl.com slash p3florida and book your Orlando vacation today. Today. tinyurl.com slash p3florida. Florida.
Well, Richard, the sound of that song means it's another show in the bag. The superstar Bill Dundee has been here for two weeks with us. And we'd like to thank Bill for being on and being a great guest. He gave us great information, great material, and it was always a pleasure to have Bill on. But if you want to follow more on Facebook with P3 Radio, how do they do that? Just go to Facebook, type in Pop Poncho, and you're sure to find us there. You can also find us on Twitter at P3 Radio, the number one. P3 Radio 1 on Twitter. And yes, you can follow us on YouTube at the same address. And also on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast, right? If you type in P3 Radio, YouTube, iTunes, wherever you get podcasts, you are sure to see our show. Well, go and check us out at those locations. And this is it for today. So this is Richard Mulliken for Josh Brawley saying so long and good night.